This is Evan Blyweiss, and you're watching the TV Writer Podcast. My name is Gray Jones, and I want to welcome you to the TV Writer Podcast, episode 104 for June 30th, 2020. And I'm so excited to have an interview today with Evan Blyweiss. You're going to love this interview. He's written on shows like The Vampire Diaries, Rosewood, and The Crossing. But also, I think he's got a very unique angle um, into breaking in because he actually did not go to college, and he said he never missed it. And so if you are at that period of time where you're wondering whether you should or whether you shouldn't, you, I'm sure, are going to be um, able to benefit from his story in terms of how he was able to still break in without having that uh, huge debt load of college. This week's episode is once again sponsored by Pilar Alessandra, the author of the Coffee Break Screenwriter and On the Page podcast. And she is again offering a 10% discount off one of her interactive online classes. This one is Writing TV, and it runs four Saturdays from July 11th to August 1st. In the first three classes, Pilar helps you create a series pitch, world, cast, and pilot. Class 4 is all about the business, and here Carol Kirshner takes over, discussing staffing, selling, and obtaining representation. The class is open to TV writers at all levels and is taught through Zoom in real time. To get your 10% off, use the coupon code ONTHEPAGE10 at checkout. We are now on weekly episodes every Tuesday, and so please do tune in, whether you're viewing on Podbeam or Spotify or iTunes or YouTube. You can find this podcast at the tvwriterpodcast.com site or also at scriptmag.com. And uh, please do subscribe. Please do follow me on Twitter, at Gray Jones is my handle. And uh, also, if you'd like to support this podcast, you can do it for as little as 25 cents per episode. You can find out how you can become a patron of the podcast or a sponsor of the podcast um, at tvwriterpodcast.com slash support. But on to my interview with Evan you're going to love it. Well, this is Gray, and I'm so excited to be here with writer-producer Evan Blyweiss, who has written on such series as The Vampire Diaries, Rosewood, and The Crossing. How are you doing, Evan? Good, man. How are you? Thanks for having me. Doing very well. And, and you know, as we were chatting on Twitter, um, something that you said uh, really caught my interest, because, of, of course, I have a 17-year-old who is wanting to be a TV writer. She's just uh, entering her senior year of high school. And, of course, the big question for parents and the big question for, for, for teens that are in, in that stage is, um, do I really want to drop a couple hundred thousand dollars on college? Is this going to help me to break into TV writing? And you're someone who, who didn't take that path, and I'd love to hear a lot more about that. So um, let's go a little yeah. bit further back than that. Tell me sort of, where you grew up, went to school, when you knew you wanted to be a writer, and how that didn't involve college. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm originally from Long Island, New York, um, but I went to high school uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, we moved out here for my dad's job. Uh, and I knew I wanted to be a writer for real in the 11th grade. Um, I wrote my whole life, always liked to do it, but never thought anything of it beyond. It was just something I did. Mm. And then my junior year of high school, my English teacher, Mrs. Heredia, uh, shout out to her. She, I turned in my first paper that year. It was just some like research paper. It wasn't even fiction or anything. And she stopped me after class and said, you have a really unique voice. 
Hmm. You know, I really like your writing. And it's the first time anyone had ever said anything like that to me. And it kind of pumped me up a little bit. And I started to, you know, write a lot more for that class. And everything I turned in, she just loved and loved and loved. And as the the year went on, she said, you know, I'm going to teach a creative writing class next year. You should take it. So my senior year came, I took the class and we did all different things from poetry to short stories to actually writing a little bit of a script just to kind of see how that was. And it was during that where I realized my whole life I had loved movies and television somewhat obsessively Mm. and would always quote dialogue. That was what I loved. And I realized that I could maybe take this thing that I had now been working on and put it towards something that I really loved. And again, realizing that it was the writing part of movies and television that had been drawing me all these years was really interesting. And so I graduated high school. I was planning on taking a year off because I, when I was 15 years old, my parents who had me very young at like 22 years old uh, had my brother surprise. Wow. And uh, yeah. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to take a year, spend some time with the family, you know, be around my brother more and then figure out what I'm going to do. Luckily, mm-hmm. my dad is in the arts and was in the magazine business and his dad before him. And so, and he didn't go to college. So there was, it wasn't this like, you must go right now. They were like, absolutely take a year and we'll fit and you can figure it out. Great. Mm. So I take the year and I start waiting tables as you do and I'm waiting tables and I'm writing and at the same time I'm playing hockey at night in my off time because that's something I've done my whole life and on the team I was on there was a couple of guys that were in the business writers I didn't know them from anyone I wasn't at the point yet where I was like studying who wrote on this show they were just really nice guys. And I used to just, you know, talk their ear off in the locker room getting ready about, you know, what is this? How is this? And they were always so gracious and, and helped me out, which I feel like most writers do to young writers see that they're, they're interested in this. And one of the writers said to me one day, you know, I think I'm getting a pilot. And if it goes, would you want to be an intern on it and just get to kind of see how everything works? I was, my God, that's amazing. Obviously, mm. having no idea that sometimes pilots are garbage and never go anywhere, and then other times they're they're great and fun. So I said absolutely. And so that pilot got picked up, and that writer was Sean Ryan, and that pilot was the shield. <laughs> wow. And wow. so, yeah, at the time he was a producer on Angel. And so I went and I interned on the pilot. And again, so now this is a relationship coming from somewhere completely different from the business. This Mm -hmm. is not, you know, me going to a writing function and trying to get someone's attention. This was just living my life. And I met a writer. We started talking and it led to this opportunity to, you know, be an intern. So I went and I interned and I got to do a little bit of everything. I sat in on editing for a day. I went to set for a day. I watched him in a casting session. I was sad and well, they did no time. It was just amazing. He was, he was so gracious and it was amazing. Mm-hmm. And I got to do all these things. And the only people really in the office were, because everyone was on set at this point shooting the show, it was him when he was around, his assistant, and then the line producer, the production coordinator, and the assistant production coordinator. So I would hang out 
on that side of things as well. So the pilot is wrapping up and, you know, I've written a script or two and I'm just thinking, oh, maybe this is, you know, I can get, you know, be a writer's assistant or do something. And so I'm talking to Sean and I said, you know, I'd, I'd be really interested in being the writer's assistant. And, you know, he had read something I wrote and, you know, to his credit, he said, you know what? I don't think you're ready. Hmm. He goes, I think, he goes, I think if he goes, if it were me, I would spend time honing my craft. Hmm. He goes, look, you're like, he goes, you're like, you're like me. You're not going to want to work a 15 hour day and then go home and first start writing. He goes, so go hone your craft. I'll always be here to, you know, read anything or whatever. Very and nice. I appreciate, I appreciate so, that about Sean. Uh, I actually just spoke with Sean a few weeks ago. Oh, um, awesome. Yeah, and, and he was telling me about how he had a chance to write for Buffy, and he's glad he didn't because it would have been too intimidating to get in at that point. And it was yeah. um, after he'd sort of had more practice and then went on Angel that he felt a lot more comfortable writing for a challenging show like that. Oh, absolutely. And you know, what's funny is when I started, I thought I wanted to be a comedy writer. Mm. That was kind of where my head was at. Um, I don't know why that is, why that's what I gravitated towards, but I thought, oh, that's what I'll do. Obviously, The Shield is the furthest thing from comedy, but I thought, oh, that would you know, maybe be interesting. But I took what he said to heart and mm. I left and I went back to the restaurant and was waiting tables and writing. And at this uh -huh. point, I I met another guy there who was a writer and we had started kicking ideas around together and writing stuff. And we wrote every day and now mm -hmm. I'm writing constantly and I'm trying to just get better and better and better. And you so know, that's you say you're, you were writing every day. Were you, you, were you writing as a team or you were just kind of getting together and both working? I was, your, we were actually stuff. writing as a team at the, at that point. And so, and it was, it was actually a great way. I felt like just to start because, you know, I think everyone has strengths and weaknesses. And so it was nice in the beginning when you're, you know, just trying to get your feet wet, kind of figuring out what don't I know and ooh, what, is he, what do they know and kind of hopefully learning from each other. And so we wrote together for a few years while waiting tables. And at this point, I kind of realized one year became two years, became three years, and I never went to college. Hmm. I just kind of started chasing this thing, you know, very maybe stupidly, obviously, if it never worked out. <laughs> Um, but I just, you know, kind of bet on myself and was like, let's see what I can do. And so a few years into that writing, the waiting job, uh, we wrote a play that was produced in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. um, and it ran for, you know, two months, a month, whatever it was, and three performances a week on the weekends. And it was an amazing experience just to kind of Very see cool. something written, get up on its feet and it was really amazing. And uh, towards the later end of the day, Sean ended up coming to see the show with his mm -hmm. wife, Kathy, and, uh, you know, really liked it. Um, and so that was great. I was like, oh, you know what? I took his advice. I've checked back in and he likes my progress. So that was great. So very shortly after that, someone that I knew had actually been working on The Shield as a PA random chance so and not somebody who had met on the pilot no no oh. this is just someone another uh it's actually uh, another hockey person oh. um i guess that's where sean was drawing all, all his uh support staff from at the time um 
So he said, so I found out that there was a post PA opening on the show. And so I reached out to Sean and said, Hey, I heard this was available. Is this something, you know, you think I could possibly be right for? And he said, look, you know, I'm not the person hiring you. These people are, but definitely I think it'd be great because it would really help shape your writing. As you know, your background, like that editorial, that's where you kind of put the finishing touches on it. That's the last place you can write the script, make your changes. And he said, I think it'll really help you. So I went and I tried, you know, I went out for the job and I, and I got it. And, um, you know, I have no doubt that my, the fact that I knew Sean before helped, helped me. Um, (laughs) and, uh, so I got the job and I knew nothing about post zero, but I just knew I was going to show up, work hard and make the most out of it. And so, Mm. you know, this was at a time, this was during season, this was for season four of the shield, the Glenn close season. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this is before digital dailies like we have now. This is this was right when we had transitioned the year before from VHS to DVD. This was the first year with DVD daily. <laughs> yeah. So my day was every day I would get up, I would drive to the post house, I would pick up the dailies, I would bring them to editorial, I would give, you know, the betas to the editor, and then I would take the DVD that they burned for me, and then I would burn DVDs of every daily. Usually for dailies, it was, you know, three or four DVDs. Um, and I would have to burn them for all the producers, everyone at the network, everyone at the studio. So you're talking, you know, probably 80 DVDs a day, maybe more. Wow. And then I would get in my car. And for those that know Los Angeles, I was in Los Feliz and I would drive to Fox. And I have to go up into the Nakatomi Tower building where FX was at the time. <laughs> then come back down into my car, drive onto the lot walk, you know, two miles onto the lot to Fox TV studios, drop that stuff off, get back in my car. If it was a day where there was a cut, I also then had to drive all the way down to Sony and then back to Los Feliz. So this was every day. So lots of time in the car before nav systems, before podcasts. So lots of music, lots of uh, printing out things from MapQuest. Um, And that was my life. Um, But I learned a lot. You know, we had, I didn't, again, coming in very green and not knowing editorial that well, I didn't realize that, you know, we had three editors that are three of like the best editors in the business that just happened to be all of our editors. Hmm. So, you know, we had Jordan Goldman, who went on to win an Emmy for Homeland, Hunter Vi, who became Frank Darabont's editor and cut The Mist and cut uh, Walking Dead and now is on, I believe, Snowfall and just done a ton of amazing things. And then Angela Catanzaro was our third editor who became Jason Kadem's lead editor and cut Friday Night Live and Parenthood. And these were the editors. So this is who I'm learning from. Again, being wow. totally blind to the fact that like, this is gold that I'm getting to, you know, witness. Um, and we had amazing directors come in there. I mean, Frank Darabont directed an episode and just all amazing people that would come in and you'd get to kind of sit around and listen to them and, and talk with them. And it was just, it was amazing. And mm-hmm. so I, think I always tell everyone, like, if you can get in on a show in any possible way, any assistant thing at all, do it mm-hmm. because you know where that's going to lead and who you're going to meet and these relationships you're going to have because, you know, everyone starts out there and people start moving up the ladder and they take you with them. Yeah. So the other part of dropping off the dailies was I would drop them to the writers. 
I dropped them to the writer on set and I dropped them to the producers that were writers and they were, mm-hmm. we had a lot of very gracious writers on that show and they were always very nice and, you know, asking, you know, what do you want to do? Obviously knowing I don't want to be an assistant forever. And, um, you know, I said, oh, I want to be a writer. And they said, well, you know, if you ever have anything for us to read, we'd love to read it. And wow. so, you know, I did and they would read stuff and they would give me thoughts and it was, it was great. And so I did that for season four, season five, and most of season six. And then the writer's assistant left and they needed a new writer's assistant. And a few of us, a few assistants on the show went out for the gig and I got the gig. So towards the end of season six, I was the writer's assistant and then into the final season, season seven. Um, And what was really interesting on that show was that in between season six and seven, it was a really long hiatus. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of the writers who had kind of come up on the show left to run their own shows, do their own things for that final season. So a bunch of new writers came on. So suddenly I was someone who had been there longer than most of the people wow. on top of that, I prided myself as an assistant on knowing the ins and outs of every scene we had ever had on the show. Hmm. So they used to call me Britannica. Cause if they asked me something, I always do right then like, Oh, that was season three, episode 12. Like I just wow. knew when we did everything. And so that's season seven right away. They treated me like an equal and I was able to pitch and, you know, as long as I was doing my job, there was nothing impeding me from kind of being involved in the conversation. Wow. You know, I always kind of waited my, I never, you know, interrupted people, whatever, but I always waited my turn and was but free to raise my hand and say, oh, you know, what about this? And so it was just amazing and amazing mm. experience. And, you know, that those rooms, especially that season six for everyone left to do their own thing. I mean, one of the greatest writers rooms I think ever assembled. So to learn from these people was just remarkable. Um, you know, and, and then when season seven came, the new writers that we brought in and mm-hmm. we brought in Lennon, Gary Lennon, who's gone on to run and create a million shows and rent power for years. And now runs high town and all these different things. And John Lavin, who big feature writer and created shooter on USA and all these wow. different things. Um, Angela Russo, who her brothers are Joe and Anthony Russo, who you might've heard of. They've directed a few, uh, a few movies like the Avengers. Um, And uh, so all just, just amazing writers and so accomplished. And uh, it was just amazing to get to kind of be around them. And we have Adam Fierro and Chick Egley and Kurt Sutter and Sean, it was just amazing. And so (laughs) learned a lot from that show and, was very, very blessed and grateful, fortunate that after all that work and time as the show was coming to an end, Sean gave me an episode. And it ended up being the second to last episode of the series. And it was just unbelievable. And I wrote it with Adam Fierro, uh, who I learned so much from. Uh, And we wrote it, shot it. It was amazing. It was the best Mm. feeling life and we wrapped that show on a thursday and monday was the writer's strike oh my goodness yeah so it was kind of got thrown into the fire right away it was like hey you're a writer and now you got to fight for what we deserve so it was a really thing kind of way in um so that's the 
you know, very long winded uh, answer to your question of how did he know college factor into all of this? <laughs> wow. Well, and, and I imagine through that time, because uh, I, I know um, from my perspective, I, I sort of got to have a family before and, and a lot of student debt before I was wanting to break into the union. And it's a lot harder when you have a lot of responsibilities, financial responsibilities, and a pile of debt. So the fact that um, your path involved being an intern and, and an assistant for, for several years, somebody who had a big debt loader and, and, a, and a family at that point might not have even been able to do that. Right. No, absolutely. No, I was definitely very lucky that when I started out, I had nothing to worry about but me. Mm. You know, because I look, you know, now I'm a father and, you know, I can't imagine saying to my wife and my kids, like, I got, you know, it just it would be much harder to kind of make those sacrifices that I made and mm -hmm. the crazy hours you work as an assistant and all the things you do. And again, at that point, like I said, just driving everywhere and never, mm -hmm. you know, having a moment. It, it, it's a lot, you know, yeah. and so, you know, I, I was, you know, applaud support staff because it's, you know, it's the unsung thing. So did you, have rep did you have representation through this time or at what point did you get representation? Well, I had a couple of managers that, you know, I would get a manager, nothing would happen. I would, manager would go away, find another manager, they would go away. Um, and nothing really happened. They you know, were not big managers. They, you know, they worked really hard, but they were not big managers. And then I got a manager who was great. Um, and I had him right after I came off the shield is when I got him or right before the shield ended is when I got with him. Um, and so the strike happened and I would go and walk the line every day. And then when I came home, I wasn't allowed to work anywhere. I would just mm -hmm. write and write for myself. And so I thought, what could I write in this time that would be kind of like a, a calling card? You know, even if it mm -hmm. never got, what would be like a thing that people would go, oh, you wrote that. That's cool. So I was watching a lot of Buffy the Vampire Slayer at the time. And That's a funny thing. Our family is in season six watching that right now. <laughs> oh, love it. And so I was watching that and thinking like, oh, this is such a, I just love the show. And like, what can I do that's kind of in this tone and whatever? And I thought to myself, well, here's an idea that, again, will never get made, but people will talk about it if it's good, is I'm going to, with no rights, no anything, I'm just for myself, going to write a TV show version of Big Trouble in Little China, the John Carpenter movie. Uh huh. So I write this pilot, and I finish it over the strike, and right before the strike ended, days before, mm -hmm. uh, I find out that Fox TV Studios, who was the studio on The Shield, had gotten the rights to a bunch of Fox titles to possibly do its shows. And one of them. Oh, wow. And so I had that manager and I said, hey, would you reach out and say I have this? Like, I don't know. I wrote it just like to do it. And, you know, so he did. And he reached out to David Madden, who was the head of Fox TV Studios at the time. And the oh, by the way, the only studio in town who knew who the hell I was. Uh -huh. And. Uh, you know, he said, David said, oh, that's very ballsy of Evan that he would write that without the rights. Um, but I'd love to read it. So yeah. he did. And 
when the strike ended, he did. And then he called me in and he said, you know, I really like this. I said, he, you know, he said, it's not exactly what I was thinking. You know, mm-hmm. what do you think about this? And we kicked around some ideas and I realized, oh, I'm in like, uh, you know, a meeting, you know, pitching story with the head of the studio. And wow. I, I left, kind of came up with a new version off of what we had talked about and said, what about this? And he said, great, let's do it. Wow. So that's wow. so I got to actually write that as a job. Crazy. And so that was my, yeah. So that was my first pilot. And so I wrote it and mm-hmm. it was really fun. I, you know, I learned a lot. I, you know, I didn't know everything, of course, by that point, I, you know, knew very little thinking back on it now, but I just busted my ass on that, you know, and just uh, to live in that world. And it was so much fun. It was one of my favorite movies my whole life. And so to get to kind of live in that world was amazing. And wow. It and you know, of course, as most pilots do, when all of a sudden none, it didn't get made, but it was an amazing experience. Um, and then at that point, I had written on the shield, you know, gotten that episode and been on that, and now I'd sold a pilot, the, not for a lot of money or anything. It was a, like like the minimum you could possibly get for uh-huh. something. And again, to the earlier thing you just said, if I had a family, it would not have been enough. But it was just me mm-hmm. and my wife, then girlfriend. Um. And I said, you know what? I'm going to try now that I've done these. I have a credit on a show and I've sold the pilot. I would love to not be an assistant again if I can. Mm. So I'm going to take some time and try to see if I could spin this into something. And so that's what I did. And I used that pilot money and, you know, my wife was had a steady job and so between the two of us we could you know pay for our apartment and the food that we needed and and so i did that and i just like kept trying 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 and now it was at that point that i got my first agent mm. so i never had an agent just you know again managers that didn't work out and then the one that did and then the agent i had a meeting with them kind of to see if they were interested in working with me and i pitched them an idea they're like, what are you thinking of doing next? And I said, I have this idea. And it was based on my father and my grandfather who were in the publishing business, magazine publishing in the 80s in New York. Um, and I said, you know, I have this idea. And they said, well, we love you and we love that. We'd love to work with you and try to mm-hmm. sell. And so I put this pitch together and we took it out and we ended up setting it up with, producers and then the producers said let's try to get a director and we ended up getting todd field who did in the bedroom and little children and the mm-hmm. amazing writer director and he just loved this idea because he had moved to new york at that exact time and in his life and was very uh savvy on that side of the business and mm-hmm. he just loved it it was amazing so now i'm getting to work with this academy award nominated writer director to kind of try to make this thing and we sold it to epics um and this was years ago when epics first was going to do original programming Mm. and we wrote the script i wrote the script we got it to where you know we everyone was really excited and thought oh man i think this could happen and then epics got out of the original programming business (laughs) so a real bummer, but I learned a lot on that one from him. Just about did, how did you to... get paid for that? Yes. 
And that was my first like real payday. But mm -hmm. a little insight into the business, you know, I always had this vision that, you know, you sell your first thing and you walk into your job and you say, I'm at, I stand on the table and go, I'm never coming back here again. <laughs> but the truth is it took six months to get a single dollar from that wow. pilot. So it was a lot of ups and downs. And this is a lot of when you're starting out in this business is the euphoria of I did this thing and mm -hmm. then the realization but it doesn't really mean anything yet. And so when the, it finally the money came, it was, ama it was amazing, but it took a very long time. And so mm. sold that pilot, it didn't go. And then from there, that was when I first started to staff. And my first staff job was on the Vampire Diaries. Wow, and nice so, first staff job. Yes, and that was season three. Mm. I... And so I, I was a fan of the show before I met on it. And I, you know, I really love the mythology mm -hmm. and I love the thing I was most in awe of to anyone who has not watched the show was how quickly they would burn through story. Mm. You, they were not afraid, you know, to reveal anything or turn a card over whenever they wanted to. So mm. we would do things the end of act three of episode three that other people would save for the season finale. We just would do it. You go, okay, well now what? And then you'd figure it uh -huh. out. Wow. And it was an amazing kind of training ground for being in a writer's room and breaking story. Cause obviously very different from my previous experience on the shield, it's completely mm. different shows. And, you know, it was also the kind of show where we would push ourselves to the max to kind of come up with this stuff. So there was a lot of breaking complete episodes and then going, that doesn't work and throwing the whole thing out. There's also, you know, you end up, you're breaking so wow. many stories, but it's amazing training mm -hmm. because then as you go on to these other shows, you kind of think past your first, second, third idea before you even say it because you've had this experience. So, you know, I was on that show and I wrote or co-wrote, I think five episodes over the two years and, it was, it was great. It was my first real experience producing and mm -hmm. going down to that, and, which was really great and fun and eye-opening and scary and all of those things that you would think it would be, you know, just kind of, especially when you're shooting on location. Mm. So, you know, I've worked on shows where you shoot downstairs, like on The Shield, you know yeah. everyone. Every yeah. day at lunch, you see everyone. So when you finally show up to set, it's like, oh, hey, remember that thing we were talking about on Tuesday? And it just continues. When you go to a set, you don't know anybody when it's your first time. You get on a plane. You fly there. They tell you where to go to your hotel. You go then to the set. You don't know a single soul. And you mm -hmm. have to get them to believe that you know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, you know, in a very quick amount of time. Uh, and so it. It was definitely daunting, but really awesome and exhilarating, you know, doing it. Um, Very cool. Yeah. So now then, you, le you left Vamp Vampire Diaries uh, season four. Was Were you leaving for a job at that point? Or? What happened was I, was I was there seasons three and four. And mm. then after season four, my daughter was born. Mm. And I left for two reasons. One... I loved, like I said, the mythology of the show, all that kind of stuff. 
it was definitely not, I was not well suited for that show. Like mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff on there, uh, I didn't connect with it. It was, it was difficult for me, to be honest. And that's the thing about mm-hmm. this is you know, you're going to get staff jobs and some of them is going to feel like, you know, it's, it's you. You get this mm-hmm. in every way. And in other jobs, yeah. you're going to get pieces of it and not get everything. And I think that, you know, it's okay. You know, not every, you yeah. know, not everything is exactly how you think. And so mm-hmm. it's great to adapt to that, which is why people should, you know, write specs of, of existing shows. So you get to kind of try to copy someone's voice and, and do that as great as originals are. It's nice to have that skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was a combination of kind of realizing this was not a long term fit. I did two years. But, you know, it was time to move on. And also my daughter was being born days later. So it was perfect because I'm going to take a little bit of time. Hmm. And so I took a little bit of time. And then I got on a show called Matador on the El Rey Network, Robert Rodriguez's Hmm. cable channel. Um, And that was really fun because it was very much like the wild, wild west in that, you know, we had very little money to do it, but we could do whatever Hmm. we want. Wow. Worked with amazing people. I mean, Alfred Molina was the big bad on that show. Mm. And he was just he's the greatest and, you know, yeah. in every possible way. So it was amazing to get to watch an actor of that caliber work and learn from him. Mm. Um, and then the lead of the show was an unknown at the time, but Gabriel Luna, who's gone on to play Ghost Rider and is in the new Terminator and do all these amazing things. And Neil Hopkins, who's on Stargirl now on the CW and Mm. all these different great people. And it was really the first time I got to kind of spread my wings and be kind of the best version, I guess, of of myself on a show. Cause I really got the show. I got the tone, understood the, you know, the room and the showrunners and, I loved going to set and it was in LA and close by. And so we had this relationship I was talking about earlier with the actors and the crew. Mm. And so it was a great experience. And we thought, and we're kind of told that this was a show because they're launching the network with this. That's going to go on for many years. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, Oh, that's great too. And then of course, as things happen in this business, uh, that wasn't true. And for things outside of our control, had to do with like selling to foreign markets or whatever the show ended kind of out of the months after we wrapped season one and after we had actually been picked up in the press for season two. Oh, wow. So no one looked for jobs. No one did anything. So it was especially, especially back then because um, now there's a lot more throughout the year work. Yeah. A lot of summer shows and stuff. But back then, if you missed the season, you missed the season. Exactly. And so it was definitely scary. Um, but this getting back to what kind of has been the theme, I think, of my whole career, which is, you know, fostering these relationships that I make mm-hmm. years earlier in between seasons three and four of Vampire Diaries. I wasn't sure if I was going to go back to the show. Mm-hmm. And I met I got a meeting with a showrunner who had a show at CBS and I go to the meeting and I'm getting ready to go to the meeting and my agent calls me and says, they, you know, it doesn't look like that show's going to go, but he still wants to meet with you because he has another show coming out on stars 
Hmm. I'm going to send you that script right now. Read it for your meeting tomorrow, just in case, because we don't know what's happening at the CBS show. Yeah. So I read the script and it was black sales. Oh, wow. Stars. And so I met with John Steinberg who created that show mm-hmm. and we had a great meeting. I didn't think anything of the meeting other than like, Oh, he's such a nice guy. And we really seemed to click. I guess as the years had gone on, he would check in to see if I was available, hmm. but I wasn't because I ended up going back to Vampire Diaries and then he had checked again the next year and I wasn't because I went to Matador. So Matador ends and he checks in again and I am available. So I went and did season three of Black Sails. Very cool. And I came on kind of late in the game and wrote an episode that was a producer for like, you know, a few after that. Uh, towards the end of the year. Um, and that was awesome. Because again, I went from something with a shoestring budget to something with an insane budget. Yeah, And so you, you kind of never really heard no on that show. It was like, what's the craziest yeah. thing we could come up with? And then you could do it. And it was also super cool because it was totally different. I've been very lucky in my career that I've gotten to do things that are so different from the one mm. before it. You know, so from the shield to if just the staffing things like the, the shield to vampire diaries to yeah. Matador to Black Sales. It's just they're so crazy. So wow. Black Sales was awesome. Loved it, loved all those guys. And again, getting back to relationships, one of my closest friends for years had been the assistant production coordinator on the shield, who was this mm-hmm. guy Todd Hartham. And Todd had gone on to be a writer and he wrote on psych for years and he had written on all these different shows and he had run shows and he had kind of built this big group. Himself, but I knew him from when we would sit and talk as, you know, intern and assistant production coordinator years mm-hmm. early. And at this point, we're really, really close friends We're you know, we always would have each other read our stuff and hang out all the time. And he had a pilot that, he thought was going to possibly go, which was Rosewood, which was on Fox mm. for two years. And I said to the black sales guys, if this goes, I got to go do this. This is wow. like, you know, again, one of my closest friends. And I just want, and luckily the guy, the black sales guys, Dan Schatz and John Steinberg grew up together and oh, understand wow. like that idea of mm. friendship, all that. And they're like, absolutely. Like if you want to, like, you know, whatever happened. So I was going to go back for season four of Black Sails mm-hmm. unless this went. And then Rosewood went. And so I left and got to do that, which was so much fun because I got to, you know, work with someone I'm so close to and made amazing relationships. And that was one of the mm-hmm. best jobs ever. Just the the whole vibe was fantastic. And I'm we're all, everyone on the show, all the writers, the actors, the crew, everyone's still friends. Right. It was one of those like special things that come along, you know, not very often where just mm. every single thing clicks and it's an absolute joy to be involved in every part of the process. Yeah. Um, and you were there so, from the beginning to the end, yeah. which also must yeah. have been nice. Oh, it's great. It's really fun when you get to be on a show and get to kind of form who the characters are. And then take them all the way through the journey. The only problem is, you know, we thought we were going to come back for another season and the cancellation kind of came as a surprise. Hmm. So we, we didn't really end it, end it, which right. is a bummer. 
but very proud of what we did. We had such a great time and uh, some really great episodes in there and ones I'm really proud to have been a part of. And so then when that ended, I went out for regular staffing season, you know, having come off that show and having worked for a while and again, mm-hmm. getting back to relationships, which I'm going to keep hitting throughout this whole thing. The guys yeah. that ran Matador also created the crossing. Mm. So they brought me onto the crossing. The thing that was cool about the crossing was I got to work again with two of my favorite people in this business who I'd worked with on Vampire Diaries, which was Mike yeah. Carducci, who has been on Oh, this. I love Michael, yeah. And then Rebecca Sunshine. And it was great because, you know, they had already been talking to Mike, uh, Dan Dworkin and Jay Beatty, who created The Crossing. And I said, oh, my God, Mike's the best. Like, we're, you know, we got, if you can get him, you got to get him. And then I also yeah. said, I know Rebecca Sunshine is out there and she's amazing. If you can get her, we get. And they loved her and hired her. Wow. So I got to work with my friends again. You know, it was super fun. An amazing pilot. I love that pilot. I was so excited to get in there. And, you know, as happens on the, you know, those type of big idea shows, sometimes mm. they connect with the audience. Sometimes they don't, you know, I think we did a really cool show and that was something we were very fortunate. We put an end on that story. Nice. You know, so if you go to Hulu and watch it, you, it doesn't end on a cliffhanger of what now we end the story. Mm. Obviously we set up for what would have been season two, but the story we're telling is finished. Nice. And so you, it does kind of function like a mini series at this point. You can watch it, which is nice. Um, and then when that ended, I had been staffing now for years and wanted to get back into um, trying to do my own stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote a pilot uh, that I sold to NBC. And I co-wrote that with Todd Harthand, who did Rosewood. We yeah. did that together, which was super fun, again, to bring the, you know, the friendship back together and to get to work together. And, you know, again, like most things, it did not go, but it was a great experience. Um, yeah. And while I was doing that, uh, I got a call from my friends, John Steinberg and Dan Schatz from Black Sales. And they said, we're running a show. Would you please come help us? And it was C. Oh, nice. Apple. And so I went and worked on season one of C um, and was a consulting producer on it and helped kind of just going through scripts and fixing things and rebreaking stuff and whatever. And it was mm-hmm. really, really fun to be with those guys again. And it was just the three of us at that point. Oh, just there the three. Room. Yeah, there had been rooms, there had been things. This was just us kind of in the going towards the finish line. Oh, so wow. it was a fun, like mini room to help kind of guide it. Um, mm-hmm. So I did that. And then um, this last year, I sold another pilot to NBC that did not go again. Mm-hmm. Uh, the theme so of this. The way. Don't go. And I work with people I know. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and that was with Carol Mendelson, who did CSI. Mm-hmm. I she's a, just the greatest. And it was amazing to learn from her and how her mind works. Um, and it was based on a book. And so that was cool getting to adapt something um, and stretch that muscle, which I hadn't done since big trouble mm-hmm. a really long time on um, something that was, you know, for me. Um, and then I 
just finished working on a new Netflix show that will be out at some point whenever we can shoot it and make mm -hmm. it, um, which is called Archive 81, um, yeah. which is created by Rebecca Sunshine, who I worked with on Vampire and the Crossing, and Mike Narducci was also on the staff with us. Um, and so we got to get that band back together. And that was our third show together, which is kind of crazy um, that we found each other all those times. So so it's written um, and not shot or it's shot and not out? It's written, not shot. I see. So it's, it's eight episodes. We just are finishing. Um, and then we will shoot when they say it's okay and then go from there. So, so was, was that know. the thing you did right up until the virus? Yes, I was actually doing it when this all happened. So oh, wow. we went from, you know, coming. Now, luckily, we were pretty much finished when it was mm -hmm. happening. There were little things left, but we we're basically done. So, you know, it went from, oh, we'll just keep coming in to, you know, why don't we make Friday the last day? <laughs> and then we had a couple of, you know, room Zooms. Mm -hmm. But then the room ended and just Rebecca, myself and Mike were still going. Mm -hmm. And so then we would zoom the three of us and we had writing to do and things to do. So we were working, but it wasn't as crazy as, you know, trying to wrangle, you know, a 12 person writer's room. And this was a right. small room. There was only five writers on the show because a yeah. small org. Um, but yeah, so that was, uh, that's what I was doing right before and during, mm -hmm. you know, when this happened. Yeah. So, so what now um, with the uh, quarantine and, and all that? Are you, are you doing virtual meetings and things like that? Are you writing or, or what are you up to? Yeah, just, yeah, honestly, I'm just trying to kind of write something, um, mm -hmm. you know, which in the beginning was hard and is still hard. There's so much going on and, you know, things you have to contend with. And in my case, it's, you know, from school with my kids and my wife's full-time job and that, so it's a lot of juggling, um, but I'm, you know, in the midst of breaking something and, and writing something new and mm. just trying to, you know, keep going. Um, and, you know, but it's weird, you know, it's a weird time and, you know, just trying to, you know, make it all make sense. Hmm. Well, let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit um, now that we're caught up to the present. And so you, you've been at this for a couple of decades now and... Um, when you see people either breaking in or maybe earlier in the process, um, tell me about what kind of mistakes you see people making. Yeah, I think, look, when it comes to being staffed on a show, the biggest thing to me is when you're writing on your own, in your room, in your office, by yourself, you have nothing but time. No one's telling you, you got to get done now. You got to do that. It's whatever you want. So you could work on a script for three years. You mm. work on a script. Whatever you want, you can do it. And it's also just you and that board and that piece of paper coming up with what is this story. And you can work at your mm. own pace. When you get in a writer's room, the pace is crazy. How fast it moves. Yeah. You know, I... I liken it to like, if you can drive, that's great. But if I dropped you in the Indy 500, it would be scary. Uh, it's kind of like that, where you have yeah. the skills to do it, but the speed at which your mind has to work 
is something you're not, I don't think most people are ready for that mm. first time in the room. And it's not that even anyone does anything wrong. I just usually look to the staff writer a week into the room and they're like this because <laughs> it's just flying. Yeah. You know, by the time you think of, oh, that's interesting, we've probably moved four pitches past that. Mm. And so, you know, that's to me something when it comes to like being in the room that you have to kind of get used to and get good at is the speed at which things happen. Because if you're working mm. with someone for 20 years, they know how to break a story in a day. Yeah. Doesn't make a great story, but they'll break you something in a day. And so think about how fast their mind works and how many times they've broken an act one for a police procedural. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so coming in green, you got to be ready for that. You and know, so and how then the other you suggest for a person to, to develop that, um, say for instance, um, would you suggest as people are starting out that they, they write to deadlines, maybe create artificial deadlines for themselves? I mean, look, I think to me, a deadline always helps for me personally. If I know something is open-ended, it's very difficult for me, even if doing this for a long time, to do it. Where if someone says, it's due Thursday, it'll be done on Thursday. It's a weird you know, thing. So, and I think most people are like that. They function better with a deadline. And so hmm. I definitely think that that helps. And I also think the other thing when you're starting out in a room is, you know, you can't be precious with your ideas. Mm. You know, if they don't land, which a lot of the times they're not going to land, you got to move on to the next one and just keep reloading and keep pitching new ideas. And when you do that, that's sharpening that skill of pitching faster and thinking quicker on your feet, you know, because you're constantly thinking, okay, well, that didn't work. How do I take what they just pitched and turn it into something else? Um, you know, and I think the thing I always say is when you have a pitch that doesn't land, mm -hmm. I think you can argue for it once. Right. If it doesn't go over, drop it, move on. That ship is it. Nothing, nothing wrecks a room more than mm. fighting on a pitch. Because to be honest, if it's the right pitch, it will be in the show. It might right. take three days and someone else will pitch it, but it'll be in the show. And then you can mm. sit there and know I was right. You don't have to say anything and yeah. you move on and you're happy to know, Oh, that was the right idea. I'm thinking yeah. the right way about this story. And so I think that's, that's the way to think about, about that. Um, mm. You know, and then also getting back to what I was saying earlier with like writing specs of existing shows, when you're, starting out on a show besides the rapid fire crazy nature of the room you're going to be asked to write something mm. and now i think most people don't expect a staff writer to turn in something that can be shot the next day it's just not the way it works everyone's mm. learns learning um but the closer you can get the better you're going to be and the more likely that you're going to keep working mm. and so you know nowadays there's been such a shift over the last you know, probably 10 years of people being told you got to write original material. Um, and that's all well and good. And it's nice to see that you can come up with an original idea. But when you're writing your own voice and then you're being told that you got to write Sean Ryan's voice, you got to write mm -hmm. Julie Tucker's voice, you got to write. It's very difficult because it's not, if you don't write like them to begin with and you've never tried to mimic somebody, it's hard. You know, because then what the job becomes is how do I mimic the voice 
while also infusing my own stuff into it, you mm-hmm. know? And look, there's going to be shows, and I think everyone would tell you this, there's shows that every writer, no matter how successful, they totally got it. And then there's shows where they didn't. Mm-hmm. And they, it was hard to match that voice. And, you know, you try to find the things that you're good at in that world, be it, you know, breaking this, maybe you're great at breaking the stories, but actually doing it is difficult, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, just trying to make yourself valuable in whatever way you can. Because, again, you just don't know. Right. You know, every job is different. Every show is different. And, you know, some of them it's going to click and some it's not. And yeah. so it's just about kind of, you know, making the best of that time and doing the good work for the that showrunner. And, you know, mm. if it doesn't feel like it's the perfect match, just giving your all every day and bringing what you, you know, what you think you can to the table. Yeah. So um, would you say, have you ever seen not going to college as a disadvantage no never um for me personally never um i think people are usually surprised when it comes up Mm -hmm. um but you know i mean it's just at this point no you know i've been in the business long enough you know that it is what it is i have the same experience of every other co-EP, I have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, you know, coming up, I think it never was an issue because I didn't think about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think maybe if I thought like, oh, does anyone know I didn't go to college? It Maybe it would have been. I don't. Yeah. I didn't care. It was like, I'm just going to come in and do the work. Yeah. Be an assistant, as a writer, whatever. And that's it. And if... You know, if it ever comes up in a conversation, I'm going to be honest and say I didn't go, but mm. it's not going to be something at the, you know, at the front of my mind. And I think that also probably helped. I think a lot of times, everyone, you know, you're your own worst critic and your own worst enemy and get in your own way. And so for me, it was like, this is, this was my journey and this is how I got here. And, you know, I put those grueling hours in as an assistant, mm-hmm. like everybody else. And now I'm, you know, and I've sold the pilots like everybody else and I'm writing on the show like everybody else. And so mm-hmm. that was kind of how I, how I thought about it. And I was also fortunate that I lived in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. That was just my circumstance that I was here, mm-hmm. you know? So I think being here is the bigger thing than right. the college was for me. But you also, yeah. if you don't go to college, you're saying it's this or I don't know what, you know? So I, kind of, you know, try to bet on myself. And I don't know what would have happened if it didn't work because I don't think I have any skills other than this. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what I would have done. Um, but, you know, I try not to think about it. I was just like, I'm going to try to do this and I'm going to work at it. And, you know, as an assistant, I was able to pay for what I needed to pay for. And mm-hmm. like you said, I didn't carry that debt, that student debt that most people have. So, that made it a lot easier to, to yeah. live that life. Um, but yeah, so I to me, I don't think it has had an effect. Mm-hmm. And so, um, what would you say, um, you, you've mentioned a few, a few people over the years, uh, at, who seem to be people that you've really enjoyed working with. Would you say that those were mentors for you or was there a way that like, what, what makes a person like that, somebody that you want to work with? And, uh, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I think. Look, I think. I think early on, mentor one hundred percent. You know, I look at Sean Ryan and Adam Fierro, and you know the people on that show, Liz Craft and Sarah Fain, people that you know were there in the beginning and reading my scripts and giving me notes and you know being my champion to get in there and, and write. I mean, th- those are incredible mentors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then as time has gone on, people that I've worked with again. I just really like them. You know, mm-hmm. I always feel like, you know, this is a business where you're always learning. Mm-hmm. I believe. I feel like every script you write is better than the one before. Every script you read, you're going to pick up something that someone does that you find interesting. How someone conveys something on the page. You know, that was something I did early on in my career <clears throat> was I would get the script for a movie and watch it while I read mm-hmm. along. Oh, wow trying to see like, oh, how do they convey on the page something I love on screen? Hmm. So then being a writer on a staff, you know, when you read things, there's ways people write things that are not the way you'd be like, oh, that, oh, wow, they wrote that in a more succinct way than I would have. I'm going to start doing it that way. You know, and so, you know, people like Mike Narducci and Rebecca Sonnenshine I've worked with three times. A, I love them. And B, I just feel like we all learn and grow from each other. I know I learn from them all the time and I love the way they think about story and the way they approach it. And we're all very different in how we approach story mm. and how we approach breaking an episode. And that's what's so fun. I yeah. think that, you know, everyone brings their own style to this thing. Um, you know, and when it works, it's great when you have that room that's firing on all cylinders and, everyone's styles are meshing and, you know, and it's great. And, you know, someone like I said, you know, Todd Harthan, who was, you know, just a close friend, but then also became someone I worked with and learned from, you know, it's, it's great when you're able to, to do that, you know, when you're able to have these relationships that either start as coworkers and become friends or friends become coworkers. It's a, it's really great because this is a, a business that, is kind of all consuming. Hmm. You know, I say like, if you're an accountant, when you come home at night, you don't watch other people doing taxes. You watch TV. Well, for us, when we come home at night, we're watching TV, which is what we've just tried to make all day. Yeah. And so it's kind of net. You never can shut your brain off, you know, and you're watching it for fun, but you also learning things. Oh, that was a cool twist. That was a cool thing. And also trying not to think ahead and go, Oh, I see where this is going mm-hmm. and trying to enjoy it as a viewer. Um, but yeah, so when you can make those relationships go beyond the room, it's a great thing. Cause again, it's always around you. Hmm. So, um, we're just starting to wrap up here, but what advice would you give if you had a chance to talk to your younger self, go back in time, back to the future, you got a DeLorean, um, is there any advice that you would give yourself um, based on what you know now? Hmm. It's very interesting. You know, I think, I think just being able to tell my younger self you're on the right path. Hmm. Because when I was a post PA, I had no idea if that would lead to anything. You know, you never know. Is, this, is there 
who's to say the writer's assistant's going to leave? Hmm. Who's to say, like, the only reason the writer's assistant left The Shield is he got a job writing on another show, which when I think about it now is, like, crazy to me hmm. that a writer's assistant from some other show would get promoted to staff writer on a new show. I don't think that would ever happen today, <clears throat> but it's just the way the business has changed. But it was crazy, and so that happened, and I was there to kind of capitalize on it. And so I think that's the biggest piece of advice to myself and to everybody is like, I think I said it earlier is if you can get on a show in any way, do it hmm. Get on because you don't know where it's going to lead. And when you work hard, people notice, hmm. you know, I know as I've been a writer when we have an amazing writer's assistant who makes life easy, it's you notice and you, are, you want to help them. You want to say, when can we get this person a script? They're mm. ready. And when you have a great, any, like you just, you see it. And so to me, it's like, just get in there and work hard. Like you wanted to be a PA your whole life, you know, because that's, those are the ones that are going to move up, mm. you know, cause I've seen, the ones that don't treat it that way who fall away and do whatever they're doing. The ones that really, you know, put it all out there and it's, it's sucks and it's hard. Yeah. You know, it's not like, Oh, this is amazing, but you're a little piece of this thing that's on TV every week. Mm -hmm. So you are there watching them edit that, or you happen to be on set dropping off something and you saw them shoot that. And you got, you know, you remember what, you know, and it, like, I'll never forget the first time I brought dailies to set on the shield when I was standing, you know, behind the camera and they were about to shoot something and I'm watching Glenn Close and Michael Chiklis go at it. And I'm just like, this is insane. Uh -huh. And I never took it for granted. And I always knew how lucky I was to be on that show and, you know, to get to see those people work and everyone from that show has gone on to do such amazing things hmm. and you know i got a episode of last season another writer jamie turner got an episode he's a co-ep on um what on uh, all american on the cw um but he's worked for years written all these things won an naacp award and you know was on rosewood with me actually so we got to work together again um but it's an and we were assistants on that show and we've gone on to have careers and not to mention, obviously all the writers and all the amazing actors and, you know, Walton mm -hmm. Goggins and Michael Chiklis and the people we'd have come on the show, like Forrest Whitaker. It was just yeah. crazy. Very, uh, very exciting to be a part of it. Very cool. Well, that is actually a great place to end up. Um, and I, I really appreciate you sharing about your path because I think, I think it is, uh, it's almost like, it seems like a, given for for people coming in that they've got to go to college and i don't think that's true um i i think that no. yours isn't the only way that you could not go to college and and still make it and and being able to to have a much lighter load as you go through the assistant range and that kind of thing um i'm glad that things turned out that you played hockey with sean ryan that's probably <laughs> a better opportunity that a lot of people have but yeah you know these, these no, things and again, happen. at that point, yeah. and again, at that point, he wasn't Sean Ryan. Right. He was a just a guy, a writer. You know, no one knew who he was yet. 
And so it was just, you know, random chance. But again, taking this relationship of just a nice writer willing to help me out, and then it spun off into all these other things. And I think the one thing I will say about not going to college, one last thing is, you know, I threw myself completely into this from writing every day to reading every script I can get my hands on, watching movies, TV shows, studying how it all works. I was kind of putting myself through a school, you know what I mean? And trying to figure out how does this all work and what does it look like? And how does it translate from the screen to the page to try to, you know, make it happen. And so that's the one thing I would say to anyone who's like, you know what, I would like to try it this way is you still got to put in that work Hmm. that, you know, that studying all that stuff you were going to do, you know, you still got to do that. Yeah. Cool. Well, Evan, I really appreciate you taking your time. This has been an awesome interview and uh, best luck to you when the virus allows us to open the doors. Thank you so much. You too. Cool. Okay. Bye-bye. Drivingfootage.com provides 4K nine-angle driving plates for film and television. Over 14,000 clips are available for locations all around Southern California, with more areas coming soon. A fully equipped camera car with height-adjustable rig is available for custom shoots and second-unit photography. Visit drivingfootage.com for details. AVGearGuy.com provides computer and gear rentals serving the LA area, including laptops with final draft, as low as $9 a day with long booking rates available. They also scan photos, documents, video and audio tapes, and film reels to digital so you can easily share with your friends and family. Mention the name of the TV Writer Podcast and you will get 10% off your order. Visit AVGearGuy.com for details. Full disclosure, I do own both of these companies. By supporting them, you help me bring new in-person video interviews to you. Well, that was my interview with Evan Blyweiss. I hope you enjoyed it. Please do watch for episodes every Tuesday um, on all the podcast aggregators. And uh, I do thank you for watching. Bye-bye. (laughs) 